All right, you guys, I am currently struggling with a pinched nerve in my neck. And if you have ever had one, you know the pain. So I am feeling super thankful for today's sponsor, Tanasi. Tanasi's CBD, CBDA is two times better than CBD alone and better than over-the-counter ibuprofen, acetaminophen, and aspirin. It helps soothe and relieve my aches and pains like my pinched nerve, and it's great for sleep and anxiety, so I put it on right before bed. Tanasi was discovered by a team of chemists and biologists at Middle Tennessee State University, and 5% of all revenue is given back to the university partner for ongoing research. It is THC-free and comes in a range of products. I love the topicals, but you can also choose from soft gels, gummies, and tinctures. Satisfaction is guaranteed. Try Tanasi for 30 days, and if you don't love it, you get a full refund. Go to Tanasi.com and use code MOM to get 25% off at checkout. That's T-A-N-A-S-I.com to get 25% off your first order with promo code MOM. Since learning the truth about alcohol over four years ago, I've become pretty skeptical about anything that seems too good to be true. You know, like alcohol. If you're like me and you can spot a too-good-to-be-true health hack from a mile away, congrats, you're a skeptic too. Ritual knows that every good skeptic deserves a multivitamin that exceeds our standards. I take Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus every morning because it has high-quality and traceable key ingredients in clean, bioavailable forms. It's gentle on an empty stomach and has a minty essence in every bottle that helps make taking my multis actually enjoyable. No more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com forward slash sober mom. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com forward slash sober mom for 25% off. Hi, welcome to the Sober Mom Life podcast. I'm your host, Suzanne of My Kind of Sweet and the Sober Mom Life on Instagram. If you are a mama who has questioned your relationship with alcohol at times, if you're wondering if maybe it's making motherhood harder, this is for you. I will be having candid, honest, funny conversations with other moms who have also thought, hmm, maybe motherhood is better without alcohol. Is it possible? We'll chat and we'll talk about all things sobriety and how we've found freedom in sobriety I don't consider myself an alcoholic. You don't have to either. And maybe life is brighter without alcohol. I hope you will join us on this journey and I'm so excited to get started. Welcome back to another episode of The Real Sober Mom Chats. It's like The Real Housewives, but without all the crazy, insane drama that alcohol causes. You guys asked, I listened, you love these stories so much. These are real moms who are right in the middle of their journey. Some are still sober curious, some are sober, some have some time under their belt, and they share it all with us. For a lot of them, this is the first time that they're talking about their journey, and they do it so beautifully and and openly and honestly, and they are vulnerable, and they are showing up to share their story in hopes that it will reach another mom out there. And so 
If you want to be on the podcast and share your story, come over on Patreon, The Sober Mom Life on Patreon. I will link it in the show notes and sign up. We would love to hear your story. Okay, enjoy the episode and happy Friday. Okay, Jen P., welcome to the Real Sober Mom Chat. How are you? Thank you, Suzanne. I'm so good. Thank you for having me on today. I'm These Real Mom Chats were so helpful to me in the beginning of my journey. So I'm just excited to share. And I'm so you know, glad. Maybe it'll resonate with someone. I'm sure it will. I That's the feedback that I get so often is like that these chats, because I mean, it's great to listen to sobriety influencers and authors and everything like that. But there is something about these stories. I think that they're just so relatable. Like a lot of times you're in it. You actually, you have some time, some sober time under your belt, don't you? I do. Um, I'll hit eight months on May 4th. That's amazing. So yeah, I can't believe it. It really is going fast. And just the longer I go, the better it gets and the easier it gets. I feel really good. And I'm just so proud of myself for making it this long. I'm so proud of you too. I mean, I remember seeing your face in our first like Zoom meeting. When did we start doing those? Maybe right before the holidays. Yeah, was it like November maybe? I think it was November or December. Yeah, definitely. Okay, yeah. So I remember seeing you in there and kind of just working through stuff. Yeah, and to hear like it's been almost eight months. That's incredible. I want to hear all about sobriety, but you know what we have to do first? We got to go back. We got to go back. We got to go back. We got to talk about alcohol. So tell me about your relationship with alcohol and your alcohol story. Okay, so my story, I feel like isn't too unique um, from where I started, but I started drinking pretty young, about 15, 16 years old, out of boredom. You know, I was pretty quiet in high school, I feel like, especially in those early years, a little bit shy. And me and my girlfriends would just sit in her bedroom and pass around tequila shots and wow, we- so you went straight for tequila. <laughs> you were like not Boone's Farm. You went to tequila. <laughs> you know what? No one in my family really drank. So to be honest with you, I don't have an ex- I didn't have experience with liquor at all. I maybe should have started with like a beer, but right. they just pulled out tequila and we used to do shots of Everclear, which is just straight oh my poison. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what we started with. I will never do either one of those shots ever again in my life yeah. after that yes. time period. But yeah, we would just pass around shots and get really goofy and then go out and just get some fast food. And my parents would come to pick me up. I'd spray myself with cucumber melon so they didn't smell any liquor on me. Bath and Body Works. (laughs) Some ripened raspberry, perhaps. And, you know, my parents had no idea. We'd come home and, you know, we we just thought we were fun and a little rebellious. And as time went on, it progressed. And we were hanging out, you know, with older kids at the bleachers drinking. And then we started going to house parties drinking. Then as we got near 21, we were going to bars and clubs and drinking a lot and everybody was doing it. So all of my friends were drinking. A lot of us were drinking to the point of being blacked out or vomiting, you know, and then in the morning we would wake up and this was before texting, you know, we're probably calling on the landline, you know, what happened last night? 
oh my goodness, you know, we couldn't remember everything that happened. We'd all piece it together. And it was funny. You know, we thought it was funny. Yeah, there was no like alarms going off, right? Because when everyone's doing it, yeah, you're not even thinking about it. No alarms at all. If anything, I thought people who didn't drink were really lame. You know, I thought I found my people. We were just partiers. And that's that was just the way of life. And I met my husband pretty young. I met him when I was 18. He was 20. And he was in a band. And I just thought he was cool. And everyone he hung out with was really cool. And I was not. So when we would hang out with them, they were mostly all drinkers too. So I would drink. And I'd be hanging out with these older guys in bands. And I just thought they were so cool. And now I can talk to them because I had this liquid courage. And that really went on through my 20s, you know, just us going out, going to shows and parties. We got our first apartment. We would have friends over to drink. You know, everything was an occasion, whatever the holiday was or whatever we were celebrating. And then that really just kept going. I had my son at 31. I'm 41. So I had him 10 years ago. And, you know, I feel like my drinking did change a bit after I had him. Definitely slowed down. I wasn't you know, blacking out with a newborn, but it changed a little bit. I I don't know if it was the mommy wine culture. I think it was. I think I just didn't realize it, but I went from being a party girl to then keeping my party girl ways, but it just looked a lot different. You know, then I'm, I'm sophisticated, but I was drinking a lot more than everyone else. And I would continue the cheese and wine nights when I got home by cracking open another bottle. And that was really where I kind of left off. You know, I was a beer drinker mostly, you know, depending on what I did. And then I morphed into drinking wine and it just was around. It was just that my other friends that were moms were drinking. Play dates, it's there. You know, as you know, we talk you talk about this on the podcast all the time. Yeah. It's just there. Everyone's, you know, pouring it in their glass and their little tumbler. I'm a hockey mom, so it's huge for the parents. And I really didn't think I was doing anything different than anyone else. But then, you know, things started changing. The last few years I really started questioning my drinking and what I was going to do about it. But yeah, that's really the backstory. Just being a party girl turned into, you know, I am a class mom every single year for my son. I do PTO stuff. So I do all that stuff and I have my shit together. I work full time. I keep a very clean house. You know, we do all of the things, but we like to have fun. Well, what I thought was fun and I thought just drinking and happy hours and letting loose was fun. Yeah, your story is so similar to mine in the yeah. whole like the party girl and it, it that is fun. And mm-hmm. even if you're drinking like I know that I was drinking in college and in my 20s out of like not feeling good enough and all of that. There's still that underneath it. But on the surface when you don't you're not digging deep in your 20s. You know, I wasn't. Right. I wasn't like, oh, so what is under my drinking? I was just like, cool, where's the party? Let's keep it going, right? Especially when everyone around you is doing it. Like, it's just not something you question. And then you try then to fit it into motherhood in 
it's got to be in nooks and crannies because the baby takes up everything, right. right? And like motherhood now is like your main role, even if you are working outside of the home or anything like that. Like you're a mom, like first and foremost, that just is front and center. But then you try to figure out how to fit like this party girl past into motherhood. And generally it's wine. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And the whole culture just makes it easy to do that. Yeah. You don't have to think hard. You're like, okay, I was partying in my 20s and now the answer to that is wine and motherhood. Like it's everywhere. You had a sign. You had the sign, right? I had the sign (laughs) in my kitchen. Yeah. I had the sign. It said uncork and unwind. You know, one of the home goods little things, which why I even had that to begin with. But that was a part of my identity, you know? And that was, yes, that was, that's everywhere. I mean, yeah. uncork and unwind. And I posted in the group, you know, that my sign should say uncork, unwind, open another bottle, be embarrassed in the morning. Did I fight with my husband? Did I embarrass my child? And then redo it again in a few days. Yes. And like possibly blackout, maybe vomit. Like that's a different sign. Uh, it, It makes me cringe. So I painted over it. I hung it back up so it's you know just a little painting I got rid of all my shirts I had a shirt that said may contain wine that I think I might have worn in public occasionally I had a shirt that said driveway drinker because I drank in my driveway during COVID all of my neighbors had it because that's just something that we did Yeah, totally that's the thing like you don't have to look far to just learn how partying fits into motherhood. Like yeah. the the answer is wine. Yeah. And then when you realize like, oh wait, like I'm no longer in my 20s, right? I have responsibilities and I also have this like thing inside that's telling me like I've outgrown this or like something else is going on. So what was that for you? Well, I'll back up just a little bit. And just to let you know that I have anxiety, have always had anxiety. Now that I'm not drinking or now that I'm looking back at my drinking from early years, I definitely was self-medicating. Social anxiety, big time. You know, I would drink before I went out just to calm my nerves before I went out, you know, pregame when I'm doing my hair. So I did start Lexapro for anxiety probably about five years ago. So that's what maybe really made me start thinking about my drinking. And unfortunately, it wasn't me thinking, oh, I have anxiety, I should stop drinking. It was being on medicine and drinking just really wasn't the best combination, but it did not slow me down. Okay. If anything, I think my drinking picked up. So for me, what made me second guess myself was I think the combination of the two was causing me to black out or brown out. And it wasn't always, you know, I'd have some nights where I'd maybe just have a few and that's it. But there would be plenty of nights where my husband and I would be binge watching a show. And, you know, how it is when you have a kid, you like watch one episode, then you got to wait till the next night to watch another episode. Yes. So we put on the next episode. And I said, oh, when did this character get introduced? And he'd be like, Jen, that was last night. And I was be like, oh, that's right. <laughs> Silly me. And really, I have no clue what's oh, yeah. going on. Um, just little things like that. And then, you know, I had a really bad summer this past summer um, with blacking out. I blacked out twice in front of my kid. And that's what made me stop. The first time I threw up in front of him, 
and it was after a party. It was a huge party for my best friend celebrating her being cancer free at the age of 40. So we were just so excited. Great reason to party, which to me equaled drinking. So I knew I was going to get trashed. You know, we're going to be dancing. We're going to have a great time. But my son was home um, when I got home and my husband had COVID. So he wasn't even really hanging with my son. He was quarantining himself. I come home. I can't even get my key in the door. I have leftover trays of food just like on me. Yeah, I watched oh, the no. ring video. It was embarrassing. Yeah, it took me oh, a little while, no. but I did watch it and I just cringed at myself. But I ended up like throwing up in front of my son that night. And the next day I looked him in the eyes and said, you, you're never going to see that again. And I promised him. And then about six weeks later, I did it again. And that's really when I realized I cannot moderate. Mm. I thought the answer was when I looked him in the eyes and I made that promise, I will never drink that much again. I never thought I was going to quit drinking, but it slowly came to me after just reading and listening to podcasts that I am one of those people that cannot moderate. I never did. We drank to get drunk where we didn't remember half the stuff that happened or I was throwing up. So that's when I realized, you know what, something has to change. And it I think it has to be me stopping drinking altogether. And I went into it with that thought, but I never really thought that I would follow that through. I always thought I was just going to change my drinking ways because how could I not do a brewery date with my husband or a winery with my girlfriends? Because we did have good times drinking too. Right. You know, so I wanted to be able to keep those good times, but eliminate the blackouts. But that's impossible because that's not how I am. Right. And when you're dealing with something that's so addictive, I mean, if you ingest enough of it, that's going to take over. I mean, that's not a weakness in you, you know? And I like when you say like something had to change. I think when we get to the point where we're like, okay, like even after the first time, so your son saw you throw up and you said, you know, this is never going to happen again. That was you saying something has to change. And I think that is going to be alcohol and like I'm going to moderate it more, right? Yeah. I'm going to I'm going to moderate it better, quote unquote. Like right. if that's if that's a possible thing when it's so addictive, right? And then when you said, "Okay, no, something has to change and it's going to be me." Yes. I'm not going to count on alcohol to change anymore. So the reason why I said it has to be me is because September 3rd, Labor Day weekend, we had a family party invited some of my neighbors. We had a big group of all different people coming, which gave me anxiety. Even the Lexapro wasn't doing anything for that. I just were hosting a bunch of people. Is everyone going to talk? Are they going to like each other? So I had started drinking, but I told myself I would not drink wine because wine is what made me get really sick last time. I'm just going to stick to beer, but I'm a fast drinker. So I drank very fast. I did not eat much because I wanted to maintain that buzz Uh, which is a horrible idea, but I think a lot of people do Yeah, I don't remember much, but pieced it together. I I was doing crafts with the kids. I was great. And then I don't know what happened, but about 10 p.m., maybe 10.30, my husband and my son came into my bedroom where I was passed out on my bed with throw up. And so I'm Mm. really lucky I didn't throw up while I was laying down. You know, that was really scary. 
kids were still over. It was only 10, 1030. So the parents are over, the kids are still over. One of my son's friends were very good friends with them. So I had since apologized, but like she walked by the bedroom and saw me. I was so confused. I'm like, what are they doing here? I thought it was six in the morning and no idea, you know, maybe a half hour passed by. And I just, you know, the next day I woke up and that shame, I have felt it a million times before, but this really hurt. I had told him I would not do that again. I did it not, you know, six weeks about later. And I just was so disappointed in myself. Like, what is wrong with me? And that is, I wrote myself a letter at 3 a.m., you know, I woke up with the 3am anxiety. And then it started hitting me because now I'm not drunk. I'm not buzzed. I'm just starting to come to terms with what happened the night before. And I read I wrote a letter, I read it in the morning. And I'm just like, it just has to stop. This is not who I am. My drinking has changed over the years. Maybe it's the Lexapro, maybe it's not, but I cannot do this anymore. And then that's when I just went on the podcast app. I listen to podcasts all day while I work. I work from home. Normally it's true crime, but I said, let me mix it up a little bit. I'm going to type in sober. And I found you. I found the Hello Someday podcast, Sober Powered, Sober Motivations. I found all these podcasts and I just listen. And a lot like you, you talk about how you had it in, in your ears and you listened all the time. That's what I did. And I found Instagram pages. And that's when I started learning about alcohol and different issues that come along with alcohol as gray area drinking. That's when I was really kind of, you know, I was able to put a label on it, I guess. And I said, you know what? This is me. This is me. And these people quit drinking. And then there was the stories that the people quit drinking and then they go back to drinking and then they fall right back into their ways. And I said, so this is all or nothing. I am committing to this. I found myself a new therapist, which I needed anyways for some anxiety that was kind of peeking back. And she just happened to be an addiction therapist as well. So, you know, normally you can't see a doctor for like a month or two. She was able to get me in like two days later and I just laid it all out. And I said, I blacked out twice. My kid was there. This is my issue. And I just want to be held accountable. Let's talk again in a week. And I still see her. She's amazing. But yeah, so I had her to report to. And then also I do have to add that my husband quit drinking with me as well. So my my therapist recommended that. And so I told him, I said, look, this is really my issue. This isn't your issue. Although we did a lot of partying together. I think it just affected me more. And so he quit drinking as well. So we quit drinking on the same day, which was very helpful. He did it mostly just to be supportive. That was really what started this sober journey for me. And it's just really nonstop learning and just all these new feelings that come up, good and bad. You know, you feel a little bit of everything, but overall, I feel amazing. I feel like this is who I was meant to be all alone, all along, just feeling all of these feelings. Then, you know, that is so much better than numbing things. Oh God, so much better. Man, you and I are, we're really alike in our stories. Like it's that moment of like, okay, no more. And it's not like people ask me like, well, did you ever like have a lapse or a slip? And like once I started just like 
diving into that, the sober podcast and the, all of the information, like 24 seven, it was like a no brainer for me that I was like, well, no, I, I didn't. And that wasn't willpower. It's not like I'm stronger than anyone else. It was just once you start learning the truth and like what you did with your therapist, like you told the truth. Yeah. You were like, okay, I'm not going to hide. I am not going to lie. I'm going to tell you the truth about alcohol and what it has done to me and the role it's played in my life. And here it is. Like you laid it out. And so once you do that, like it's really hard to go back. Yeah, it's out there. And, you know, I told my friends the first weekend that I had made the decision I was going to stop drinking. And I never said forever until maybe I hit 100 days. I would always say, well, for now, I'm not going to say forever, even though deep down I knew it had to be forever. But, you know, it's just hard to say that. But forever is scary. It is scary. Yeah. Uh, that first weekend we had a hockey tournament with my son. So we were away. I think we were up in Boston whole new set of parents. Normally I need that liquid courage. I'm meeting all new people. We really, I don't know what we have in common besides our kid playing hockey together. So, you know, and then of course drinking because all the parents would just drink. So that was the first week and I wasn't drinking. And I just kept reminding myself, like, it's only time. I just have to get through the dinner or the bowling or whatever it is. Like, let's just get through it. Went to bed early. The parents all hung out till two in the morning hockey games are early. I felt great. It was reassuring that I can do this and that I am social. I can talk to people. You know, it was fine not drinking. I had my seltzer and I was good. And each first, you know, it builds the confidence. And now I feel like I am more confident not drinking than I was drinking. And how does that even happen? I never, why didn't I do this sooner? No idea that it works like that. It's so true. Like the whole like liquid courage thing. It's like we're so much more courageous without that, without that trick. And with social anxiety, because I have it too. I mean, this podcast has helped. Like I have to come on, like normally coming on and talking to someone. It's just scary to talk to people. People can be scary, okay? When you have social anxiety, yeah, yeah, like you have to think on your feet. Like it's just interactions can be scary. When you have social anxiety, everything feels big, but it really is just a practice. And it's like, yes, once you do it, it's that first, the first, you hate it, you're uncomfortable, you feel like, I just want to go home. I never want to do this again. Yeah. And then you just like keep practicing, even social anxiety gets better. It does. Because what I've realized is that liquid courage is for that 40 minute buzz. What causes me greater anxiety is the next morning when I wake up and I'm like, what the hell did I say? I was loud. And people, my friends, my husband always say, you were fine. You you didn't say anything crazy. You, You don't say anything crazy. But I don't know because I don't remember. Exactly. And yes. I have no idea. You know, there's been parties where I, all the time I tell, I'd have to text in the morning, sorry, I didn't say bye to you. Did I say bye? And they're like, oh yeah, we talked. You were fine. No idea. So if I don't remember saying oh. goodbye, what did I possibly say? And that causes me greater anxiety. I'd rather be awkward socially, possibly. I might not even be, than just start drinking from, you know, the get go and then have that shame and guilt and anxiety. And that spiral oh, of, yeah, oh my God. Because, okay, 
social anxiety, like any social interaction, I'm going to leave it and I'm going to go through in my head what I said, right? That's just social anxiety. I'm going to be like, okay, yeah, okay. But I can remember it and then I work through it, right? But there is nothing worse than having social anxiety and then you don't know what you said because then your brain is just going to fill in the blanks. You just feel like, oh, I'm fucked because that's the worst. Yes. And then my anxiety brain, you know, I'd send the text to my friend. Someone doesn't answer. And oh, like, they hate mad me. At me. Yes, they hate what me. What did I do? <laughs> They're not my what friend did anymore. I say to them? <laughs> yes. Then I'm trying, you know, I'm texting my best friend. Can you reach out to so-and-so and just see, you know? And then of course I, nothing has really ever happened where I, yes. I did anything bad. I think maybe my neighbors might have heard me being obnoxious. Yes. You know, our backyards are right on top of each other. But I never insulted anyone or offended that I know of. No one's ever told me. But you never know if you can't remember. I was like the oversharer, you know, that I would just oh, – Which too. I kind of am like naturally anyway. I will – Yes. Nothing's off limits. But then when I was drinking, it was like, no, nothing was off limits. It's like, no, that's like not a conversation for someone you just met like 10 minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is actually my friends would tease me about that. They're like, oh boy, did you tell him about your surgery? I had an emergency <laughs> surgery a couple of years ago. And I'm like, oh yeah, I told them I have diverticulosis. I got cold IBS. I'm like, why am I telling strangers? This? I know, I know. That's the kind of stuff that like, that's what like chips away at you when you're like, I would never act like that. That's the liquid courage that I was seeking, which is ridiculous. At least now I overshare, but I have enough sense to say, wait a second. My, you know, I'm thinking, let's, let's leave that for like our third. (laughs) Maybe the next time I meet you. Well, the liquid courage thing, it's so funny because alcohol just makes you not care. So it's not like you're courageous. You're just careless. Yeah. That's not courage. Giving my phone number out to people. And then I have five new best friends. I'm like, I don't need more friends. What am I doing? So yeah, they would tease me about that. And now I find myself maybe not oversharing, but I wear my heart on my sleeve. And I will tell people about this sober journey. Yes. Well, I say that, but I haven't shared on Facebook. I just, I don't know how to put it out there, but I will tell people, you know, I told people at the first hockey tournament we went to, I maybe didn't tell them about me what vomit in my room, not remembering, but I did tell them, you know, oh yeah, you should have seen me last year. I was a great time, a little too much. I said, but you know, I, I quit drinking. It really wasn't mixed up my medicines. I do tell people. And that's really why I was excited to share too, because, you know, just hearing these stories and hearing people be honest, it you know, I, I think a lot of us have this story and we don't talk about it. No, it's so true. You don't realize it until you stop. And, yeah. you know, it's just really amazing how, I don't know, how you could change and how good you feel and just the knowledge that you gain. It's so empowering. I compare it to, but, you know, I had my son all natural, no drugs or anything, which was the opposite of my birth plan. I wanted all the drugs. Oh my God, yeah. I specifically said, give me everything. I don't want to feel it. But it didn't work out that way. I moved too quick. So I was very empowered by that. You know, me, I'm scared of needles. I had this kid naturally. And I got to tell you, it's a similar feeling, not quite to childbirth, but of how proud I am of myself. Totally. Never thought I could do this. This was a part of my life forever. Just drinking in general. And here I am just dealing with feelings and social situations and with none of that, you know, alcohol to push me through, which 
was silly anyways. It always led to a bad time. So it tricks you. It it does trick you. And there's just nothing more powerful than a sober life, especially like a sober woman, a sober mom. Like it's just, it's my favorite thing. It's great. I, my son, you know, he's 10. He knows that we're not drinking. You know, if he sees me open a seltzer, I have some non-alcoholic beer. I don't, I don't drink them very often, but like if I'm having a burger, sometimes I just want to have my beer, you know, on a nice day, I'll have one, you know, he'll look at me and he'll be like, Oh, you're not drinking. Are you? And I'm like, no, bud, you know, it's non-alcoholic, you know, no alcohol here. I told you, you know, daddy and me, we quit drinking. You're not going to see us drink anymore. And he'll be like, oh, thank goodness. But, you know, he's 10, so he doesn't really fully understand. And I, I don't want to share too much with him. But, you know, eventually these will be conversations later on. But I just want him to one day be proud. You know, there was that really bad time and mom made a fool of herself. And then she changed her whole entire life. So I hope he realizes that one day. <laughs> He will. And I mean, there's no better lesson to be like, yeah, Yeah. look, you can screw up. You can make mistakes. And then what do you do? You get back up, you reevaluate, and you move forward. And that's exactly what you did. And like, he will see that. Yeah. One day. I don't want him to remember that. You know, he may remember the bad times. You know, I was telling you earlier, I told him we were going to record and he said, are you going to tell him about the time you threw up? (laughs) Yes, I will tell them. So he's very aware. He's very smart. And that also was another thing that pushed me is he started questioning me. You know, he'd say, you're talking weird. Are you drunk? So, you know, there'd be these little Little signs that, yeah, I said, yeah, I really need to do some reevaluating. So here we are. Now I'm recording a podcast with you. (sighs) I know. I am (laughs) so proud of you. Okay. Wait, you're in Jersey, right? I'm in Jersey. Yeah. Okay. Do you watch The Housewives? Actually, I don't, but I, oh my because, gosh. wait, because you're always talking about it, I did watch maybe three episodes of the new season of the Jersey ones. You did? Yeah. And then because I wanted to see where they're going and yes. you know, see where they okay. are. It's so funny because even your accent, I keep thinking because they always talk about Tenafly. They're like, oh, oh we're in ten, we're in Tenafly. And I'm, okay. <laughs> it's just like, I, I love it. Oh, my God. I don't even know where that is. I've never even heard. Do, so do I have a big Jersey accent? I mean, not big, but I love it. A little bit. I love it. Oh, yes. You. You're, you, yeah, you're yeah. like. I don't know where my accent is from. I'm in central Jersey. Okay. So, you know, we're near the city, but then we're near the beaches, you know, the shore and all. So I'm kind of in the middle. But yeah, I feel like North Jersey, I hear the North Jersey accent with people. And then South Jersey, they're near Philly, so they have an accent too. Oh my God. Jennifer, thank you so much. I'm thank so- you. Thank you for all really that you do. I've always related to you. Just hearing you talk, it just resonates with me. And it's it's calming. You know, you, you oh, and your so mom glad. are just this force. You just are, oh. you know, like <laughs> therapists for all of us. And the group, you know, it just is so nice to be able to share this. And I've made some friends in the group and, you know, we keep in contact and it's really just so enlightening. It's just amazing. So thank you really. Yeah, you're welcome. I love it. I love, and I love our group, like that Tuesday group yeah. and the Friday. It's, it's my favorite. I love and seeing the same faces come back, we just get to like hang out and talk about feelings and overshare like in the best way. Yeah. 
It's so therapeutic. And I love to, you know, not that I'm a pro at this, you know, almost eight months, but I love when someone new comes on and then in a month, you know, they hit that month, then they hit the two months. I'm so excited. I get so excited yes. for them. I know. Yeah. And you like see the the progress mm-hmm. and you see them like working through all this stuff and you're like, I know where you are yeah, right now. Yeah, exactly. You know? Like you're in it and you'll get it. And That yeah. was me too. Oh. And now I, I yes. remember looking up to the people that had eight months. Yes. And yes. thinking, And now wow. that's you. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just, I can't wait to be at three years like you and just ah, keep, you will keep too. moving. So it's, it's really just awesome. So thank you for the community that you built. Yes. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Sober Mom Life. If you loved it, please rate and review it wherever you listen. Five stars is amazing. Also, follow me on Instagram at The Sober Mom Life. Okay. I'm Madeline, and I'm the host of The Happiest Sober Podcast. I got sober in my 20s after a decade of gray area drinking, and the greatest plot twist of all time was realizing that alcohol, the thing that I thought made my life the most happy and fun and exciting, was actually the exact thing preventing me from living my happiest and best life. My mom is 40 years sober, and she joins me on my podcast very often. I like to call her my part-time co-host, and I also bring you solo episodes where I share my top tips, tricks, and mindset shifts in sobriety, and lots of how-tos for navigating all the things sober, from weddings to parties to holidays to bachelorette parties to trips. I'm also joined by so many guests who come on and share their sober stories, and they're all so, so inspiring. I'm here to show you that life doesn't end when you quit drinking. In fact, it's very much the opposite. And no matter what your relationship was with alcohol, life can be the absolute happiest when you're sober. New episodes come out every Tuesday. You can listen to Happiest Sober Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.